Father in heaven, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for what you're doing in our world and in our church and in our land. And Father, I pray this morning you would give me the words to say and thoughts, Lord, that would be of you. And Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Anoint these words in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, I want to talk to you a little bit. I was looking through my Bible and trying to praying about what I should speak on this morning. This scripture stuck stuck out to me. And then when Chris talked about it and Caroline called me, I thought, well, must be. I was right on this morning. But anyway, the parable of the fig tree. There's three times in the Bible when it's uh, talked about in Matthew and Mark and Luke. Luke's a little bit different. But basically, the fig tree in the Bible takes a couple different meanings. One of them is for us. One of them is for the nation of Israel. Understand, at this time, the nation of Israel was a lot like Christians today. A lot like churches today. Everything looked good on the outside but not everything was good in Israel and in Jerusalem at the time. When Jesus came out of the, came in, out of the city and he, he saw that fig tree there, one of the scriptures says he was hungry, and he saw the fig tree there and he was, I'm sure he was excited to see this tree full of blossoms. And when he got to it, there was nothing on it, no fruit. And the commentators, all, a lot of them relate it to, as I said, Israel and Jerusalem as a, a lot of show but no go, as we would say today. Uh, things just weren't the way they ought to be. And the Bible talks about Jesus going into the temple and cleansing the temple. The priests were making profits off of those people that were selling goods in the temple in those days. And they literally turned the temple into a uh, place to make money on the sacrifices that people were coming to, to offer up sacrifices to the Lord. And, the, and those guys were there selling them their sacrifices and making a profit on it. Another thing that I discovered was they turned the city kind of into a crossroads or the temple at that time. And uh, it was just plain being misused. The temple of God. Of course, as we read, uh, let's read it and, and we'll see what happened. And this is in uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 12. Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. Now, one thing I didn't explain is you have to understand that the fig tree got fruit before the leaves grew. Not the way it works in America. With our fruit trees, we get blossoms and, and then the fruit comes. But the fig tree, the fruit came first and then the leaves. So it's just natural that Jesus assumed when he saw the leaves that there was fruit there. Perhaps he would find something on it when he came to it he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. 
In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Skipping down to verse 20, my Bible says the lesson, here's the lesson of the fig tree. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree and dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. So there was a couple of things that was taking place. As I said, there was no fruit on the tree and Jesus used it to say, have faith in God. It was amazing. So in this case, in the parable, when you see the leaves, they give you a false picture that the fruit was plentiful and ripe. How many of you have driven up to a church or a business that proclaims to be run by Christians or a Christian home Things look great on the outside. But when you get inside, things aren't what they ought to be. Churches are dead. Businesses are crooked. I know some businessmen have told me that the worst people to do business with sometimes are Christians. Things like this should not be. We should be the best people to do business with, not the worst. And this is what Jesus was facing. He was facing here a fruit tree that was acting or putting on the front that there was fruit here, but there was nothing. It gives a false picture that the fruit was plentiful and ripe. Jesus had the right to expect fruit on the tree. And of course, he was disappointed when he didn't find any. The lesson here is that when God gives spiritual privileges, he has a right to expect fruit. Did you hear what I said? When God gives us spiritual privileges, he has the right to expect spiritual fruit. He has the right to expect us to act like Christians. The word Christian means Christ-like. In Matthew 25, verse 14, it talks about the parable of talents. And this is a good example of the kingdom of God and how Jesus expects us to do things. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, and to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Just like what Dale shed in this morning, Turn his farm over to somebody. Said, now you take care of the cows. Somebody else, you take care of the crops. Somebody else, you take care of the buildings. And then he took off for Florida, thinking everything was in good hands. And when he come back, he said, now what did you do? You take good care of the cows? Did you get a lot of milk from the cows? Did you make me any money? Did you plant the crops on time and get them in on time? Did I make any money? And then the other guy, he'd say, did you take care of what I gave you? 
He said, no. He said, I didn't, I didn't have time. I was busy doing other things. So what would Dale do? He'd fire the guy that didn't do anything and give it to the guy that was the five talents or the ten talents at that point because he knew that he would get take care of things. And sometimes we look around in the church and we say, God's not fair. Life isn't fair. Did you ever realize that? Have, you, have any of you come to the conclusion yet that, that isn't, life isn't fair? You know, I don't know why God gives some guys five talents and other guys two, and other guys one. The Bible says, what's that to you? What are you going to do with what I gave you? And so in our own eyes, in our own, in our own life, we're all fig trees, in a sense. Are we bearing fruit? I won't read the rest of that because I basically told you the rest of the story. Unless a man's religion makes himself a better person, a better and a useful man, makes his home happier, unless he helps those around him, it's not really Christianity at all. Unless you are a better person, make, make your home happier, and make those around you better, are we really living a Christian life? Are we just talking about it? It's just like an enactment of an unfulfilled promise. Reminds me of people who use the Bible to sell things. Maybe I have a bad attitude. Somebody help me if I do. <clears throat> but I get really frustrated when I watch TV sometimes, Christian programs, and I see people selling things I don't know, maybe God told them to sell it. I don't know. But when the year 2000 rolled around, there was people selling stuff under the guise of Christianity because everything was going to be turned upside down. Then there's people that raise money by quoting scriptures. If you give $70, you'll be healed. If you give $100, you'll have a financial miracle. I'm all forgiving. We just went through that lesson the last six weeks, and I believe in the blessed life. But I believe it goes back to what he said the first week. It's a hard attitude. It's not a gimme attitude. It's a hard attitude. And if you go past the parable there of the fig tree, the next scripture in one of, the, in one of them, anyway, was uh, the next thing Jesus did was he went to a woman with an uh, infirmity, and he spoke the word. Release her. The Bible says all he said was, release her. And he laid his hands on her and she stood up and straightened her out. She didn't give $70 to Jesus. You see, is our faith in Jesus or is our faith in giving that $100? But isn't it true? We come across as devout Christians, but we have no faith. We don't practice what we preach. And we, I include myself a lot of times. I say, Lord, what's the matter? I was thinking about this week, Betty, when I was reading that scripture, I thought, Lord, what's the matter? Why can't I go to people and say, loose her, you spirit of infirmity? Because I thought of people when I was thinking about that, that I believe have that spirit. It's not because I don't believe. I believe God wants to do it. 
And I believe the day's coming when he will do it for us, if we'll believe. The other point in this parable is not only that Jesus was disappointed in what he found, and I'm sure he's disappointed sometimes in us and what he finds in us, but the other point is all things are possible. Have faith in God. Faith is the key that releases the resources of heaven. Jesus gave the illustration right there. He touched, he cursed that tree. And, he, and that tree withered up. And they asked him, you know, about it. His disciples asked him, and he says, if you have a faith, speak to this mountain, and it'll be removed and cast into the sea. Now, Bible scholars say, you know, he wasn't literally talking about speaking to a, a mountain but he was speaking about mountains in our lives. How many of you are facing a mountain that you think is insurmountable? Well, Jesus said, if you'll speak to that thing and believe and not doubt, it'll go. And I have seen that happen in my lifetime, but I haven't seen it happen often enough. And I don't know there's others of you here that have also. Jesus wanted to eliminate all excuses when it comes to believing in his power. There's no excuses. He said, if you can speak to this mountain, it'll be cast into the sea. Simple as that. You see, you've all seen it happen in ways sometimes that you don't want to see it happen. The Bible says that he cursed the fig tree and it withered up. One of them says that it withered up immediately and the other one says that it withered up from the roots. And I know this morning, if you'll look around you, you'll see people that have been cursed growing up and have withered up from the roots, from the inside out. People have actually been killed by the words of somebody. You're worthless. You'll never amount to anything. You're no good. You're a troublemaker. See, just as much as we can do good with the words of our mouth, we can do bad. And if you don't believe that the words of your mouth have an effect on what you say, what you talk to, look at the negative people around you. People with low self-esteem, where did they get it from? You see, you have the potential to affect somebody's life for the good forever. When Marilyn and I went to involuntary service when we were 20 years old, we were married a month. Marilyn was always smart. I was, I hated school. I liked gym, and that was about it. <coughs> Recess, lunch. <laughs> but anyway, we got to, to Indiana, to Elkhart, Indiana, where they, we went through orientation for two weeks, told us how to do what we were supposed to do and everything. And, and there was one guy there that uh, he, this one position was open in Colorado. And uh, he looked at us and he says, I don't think that's the place for you. I don't necessarily think you'd be good at that. And the other guy says to us, I think you ought to do it. I think you can do it. He says, I'll be there for you. I'm just as close as a telephone call. And we took him up on it. 
We led that unit for two years. Two years, we were in charge of 26 different kids. Some of them older than we were. We were just married, remember? We had a girl in there that was 26, and we were supposed to keep order. And I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just I'm sharing this this morning to show you what the influence of one person can do in a person's life. Before it was all done, they sent a couple of kids from other units to our units, to our unit because they were having trouble at the others. For some reason, they brought them to us. And glory to God, we had no trouble with them. I always said that was my training for pastoring. But we're having a reunion again this August with those people. We are the only unit out of all the units that they sent out that still meets. I don't know why. For some reason, we liked each other. And we still do. Twice we've gone on trips with some of them. Marilyn and I took our whole family the one time. But what I'm trying to say is because of your faith, your words, what you say to somebody can change their life and others forever. So be careful what you say. You don't want to curse any fig trees. Then the other parable in Luke 13, getting ready to close with this one. Something stood out to me here. I can find the scripture. Here it is. It says, A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? I, I heard a preacher say one time, If you're just coming to church and occupying a uh, chair and, and breathing God's good air, he says, you know, <laughs> I won't say what he said, but. <laughs> In other words, he was saying you need to be useful. <laughs> but he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that, you can cut it down. And here was an example of a man who wanted to give the tree another chance. Let me dig around it and fertilize it and see if we can't get any fruit out of this tree. You know, there's a lot of people around us, I believe, like that. Let me dig around them for a year or so and water them and sow some seed and and see if they won't change. You know, so many times we, we look at people and we say, well, there's no hope for them. Who says? We have the power to bind and loose. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. I have a couple quotes here. I've never heard of the guy, but C.E.M. Jode once said of this, Our own generation, we have the powers of gods and we use them like irresponsible schoolboys. Never was a generation entrusted with so much, and therefore never was a generation so answerable to God. Now, God has given us so much, and therefore we're going to answer to God. Clearly, the parable teaches us that uselessness 
invites disaster. You know, that's one of the things that, that worry me the most in my getting older. And I haven't noticed it so much as in the last few years. My wife, I didn't ask her if I could share this, but my wife, the last couple of years, has been going through our house. She started in the attic, cleaned the attic out, and anything that wasn't use, useful it got burnt. Then she went in the basement and started throwing stuff out of the basement. Now we're doing some work in the upstairs, and she's going around. That's Ryan. She's throwing stuff out again. Ryan's fixing her upstairs for us. And I said to her here a while back, I said, I'm getting worried. <laughs> I said, I'm worried I'm next. <laughs> she said, don't worry, just keep moving. <laughs> just keep moving. Further, the parable teaches that nothing which only takes can takes out can survive. The fig tree was drawing strength and sustenance from the soil, and in return it was producing nothing. In the last analysis, there are two kinds of people in this world, those who take out more than they put in, and those who put in more than they take out. Abram Lincoln said, I want it said of me that I plucked it I plucked a weed and planted a flower wherever I thought a flower would grow. How many of you want that said about you? I pulled a weed and planted a flower wherever a flower would grow. This parable tells us that the gospel of the second chance, it was a second chance. This parable also tells us, makes it quite clear that there is a final chance. Chris referred to that this morning when he asked those of anybody that was fallen away from the Lord that would come back. You know, I believe in God's mercy. I know you all do. I believe in God's second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances. He says that we've, we need to forgive 70 times seven. So I believe God forgives us. But according to this parable, there's also a last chance. And I remember a young man, and I don't like telling this story. He worked for me. I was talking to him about the Lord one day. And he says, yeah, his grandfather talks to him about the Lord. He said, but I got time yet. I got plenty of time to sow my wild oats. In three days, he was dead. I wish I could have Turn that boy around. And I hate to tell people that there is a final chance, but it's reality. So if God's speaking to you, now's the time to yield when he's speaking to you. That's when I accepted him as my Savior. When I fell down from the saddle, you all heard that story, most of you anyway. I knew I wasn't ready to die. That's when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. If you're here this morning and you aren't ready, as Chris leads us in our closing song, I want you to come. Let us pray for you. Don't be embarrassed. Jesus wasn't embarrassed when he hung on the cross. 
Don't be ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Don't you be ashamed of Jesus.